Welcome to Lone Star Latter-day Saint Voices, a podcast dedicated to conversations with members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints right here in North Texas. I'm your host, Eric Egan. Today's date is March 28, 2020, and the world is in the midst of the global COVID-19 pandemic. This pandemic has impacted all of us in significant ways, with most of us in North Texas and many throughout the world confined to our homes. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has been proactive in protecting church members and in complying with government orders in countries around the world. We are not gathering for sacrament meetings or other meetings. Temples are closed, and the church is returning many missionaries to their home countries, including nearly 20,000 missionaries returning to the United States over the past week. On this episode of North Texas Latter-day Saint Voices, we will talk with three of these missionaries, all members of the Louisville Stake. I believe their experiences will be representative of those of their fellow missionaries. Joining us are Parker Webster, who served in Brazil, Sister Julia Elmer, who was serving in Malaysia, and Elder Jacob Egan, who was serving in West Africa, my son. Now, Parker served long enough at about 19 months that per the first presidency, uh, he and those who have served that length of time has been released now as a full-time missionary while Sister Elmer and Elder Egan are quarantined in their homes for 14 days, and then they expect to be temporarily reassigned to missions in in the United States and hope to eventually return to their missions. So welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'd like to start by having each of you tell us the name of your mission and how long you've been serving and specifically where you've been serving. So let's start with Parker, who has served the longest. Hey, uh, so I was in uh, Sao Paulo, which is a, well, the biggest city in Brazil. Uh, one of the biggest cities in the world, actually. It's very, very highly populated. And there's nine missions, actually, in all of Sao Paulo. And I was in the Sao Paulo North Mission. It's uh, in the north zone of uh, Sao Paulo and a little bit into the, the countryside until you hit Paraná, which is a, a state... Um, on this side of Sao Paulo, master for 19 months. All right, great. Sister Elmer? Uh, so I was serving in the Singapore mission, but my mission actually covered Singapore and Malaysia. And I served in, I was out for nine months and six in Singapore and three in Malaysia. Wonderful. And uh, Elder Egan? Yeah, so <laughs> I've had a little bit of a unique situation. Um, I was called to the Liberia-Monrovia mission. Uh, Liberia is just a small country in West Africa. And I served there for the first six months. And then that mission was evacuated um, about six weeks ago due to just an economic crisis. And I was reassigned to the Ghana Cape Coast mission, where I served for six weeks uh, until this took place. (laughs) Well, I know you each have a story to tell about when you first heard about the virus and how it impacted you and, and others on your mission. Let's start with Sister Elmer. You probably felt the effects first as the virus started in Asia. What was your experience like? We have known about this virus, or at least it's been affecting my mission, probably since it started affecting China. Singapore, the demographic there, we have a lot of exchange students from China. So in about January, we started really taking some precautions. We got the, the notice that we shouldn't be touching other people, not shaking hands, um, kind of all the basic self like health precautions that I'm sure most people in the U.S. have seen over the past three weeks. 
And then we started watching as it started affecting other missions, specifically Hong Kong. So we saw all the missionaries from Hong Kong go home and get reassigned. And I know a lot of missionaries in my mission started thinking, okay, it's us next. Um, And it was. At the end of February, church in Singapore was completely suspended. We could still have it in Malaysia where I was, but we were asked to not leave our houses except for the essentials to get groceries. Um, And that's how we stayed until the end of my mission. So church was suspended in one of the countries in my mission, and in the other, it was reduced to an hour, and we were asked to to not leave the house. for. I think we were in quarantine for five weeks before I ended up finally coming home. So what do you do as a missionary in quarantine for five weeks? <laughs> a lot of the same stuff every day. Um, in Malaysia especially, a lot of these people we were teaching just were so poor, and they lived out in the jungle where they didn't really have service. So a lot of it, we would ask the members when we we would still go to church every Sunday. So we would ask the members on Sundays to go check up on the people we were teaching. But other than that, we didn't really have much contact with them. We just tried to get them to church so we could see them. And we did a a lot of studying, (laughs) a lot of studying, a lot of exercising, not much else you can do as a missionary. And you do have technology there, but the people that you taught do not have the technology. Yes, so we had uh, technology, but a lot of the people we taught lived out in Kampong, which is these tiny little villages out in the jungle that are out in the jungle, (laughs) made of jungle materials, and not a lot of service gets out there very far. Wow, very interesting. Well, what about you, Parker? What were things like there in Brazil? So in Brazil, it it didn't get too bad, like in in the beginning, but when we first, we started hearing about it a little bit, how there's this virus that's spreading. And no one really paid that much attention to it. We thought it was just going to be another thing like Ebola, you know, that kind of passed by after a couple of weeks. And it was just kind of like, oh, it's just this virus going around, started in China, but it's not that big of a deal right now. And then I remember, like, I think it was three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we were, like, sitting in, uh, we were eating lunch with our entire zone because we just had a zone meeting. And uh, in Brazil, everyone has the news on the TVs. So it was just in this restaurant that we were at, uh, the TVs were all just on the news. And it was talking about Italy and how the the virus got to Italy, how it was really bad there. And we were all just sitting around thinking, well, oh, it's a good thing we're not serving in Italy because we're here we're just fine. Uh, but, and then a couple, it was, I don't think it was more than a week. It was a few days after that, actually, that they, they canceled church. So, which was a, I think it was a Wednesday that they canceled church on in the whole world. So the whole world canceled church. And uh, every single day after that was just one more, one more thing that we couldn't do, you know. Actually, no, we went a week without, without church. So that, that Wednesday, we heard that we couldn't have church anymore. And so we just had little meetings in the House of the Members. And then we went, got to the next Wednesday, right? Then a week after that. And our president, every single day was coming out with new things that we had to do. So the first thing was that we had to uh, be cautious of eating in the, in members' houses. So we had to ask them to bring food to us, but we could still eat in their houses if they really pushed it. And then the day after that, we were quarantined, and then which is Friday. And then the day after that, we couldn't eat lunch anymore in, in members' houses. And the day after that, 
uh, we couldn't even have any more meetings in members' houses, sacrament meetings in members' houses. And the day after that, we got the notice that we were going home. So it all happened extremely fast for us. And each day was something else taken away from you. Yeah, each day was just something else. Like Julia was saying that it took him five weeks in quarantine. I, that, that seems awful to me because for us, it happened super fast. I mean, we whenever it got around Saturday, we were kind of already thinking, getting that in the back of our heads that we were going home, just hearing from the other countries. When we were pretty sure about it, we just didn't know when. But we didn't even, we had no idea that all of a sudden on Sunday night, they'd be calling us saying that the next day we'd be going on a plane home. Not much notice. Yeah, not at all. And what about you, Elder Egan? Yeah, kind of like um, how Parker was saying, I heard people talking about this virus for a while. Um, even when I was in Liberia, I heard a few people talking about it and they were just afraid um, it would hit Africa. And a lot of them thought it was like Ebola and they, they were acting like it was the end of the world. <laughs> Um, but then once I moved to Ghana, things seemed to be kind of normal. I was serving in like in the bush, as they call it, out out in a little village. Um, and things were just completely normal until one day everything kind of hit all at once. It was that same morning when the church announced uh, that there'd be no church worldwide. And that was the same day that the first two cases appeared in Ghana um, on that same day. And then the president issued a statement saying, that, you know, you shouldn't be shaking hands with people and you should keep a distance from each other. So it kind of like hit everyone in Ghana um, out of nowhere and people were freaking out a lot. But we, we never had the quarantine as missionaries where we couldn't go out and teach people and stuff. We were still we were still going out. We just had to be cautious, I guess. But I felt I felt fine. I felt safe out there. In fact, you so, found out you were leaving in the middle of a teaching appointment. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but we went around and and we were going and we were uh, passing the sacrament to people on on the two Sundays. We didn't have church there. Went around and I just brought some bread and water with us. It was it was pretty sweet. Well, each of you had a very long journey home in this past week or so. It would be interesting to hear what that journey was like, how you got home. Some of you are on uh, commercial flights, others maybe chartered flights. Let's start with you, Elder Egan. What did that look like for you? When they told us we were leaving, it was. It was a Thursday, yeah, Thursday morning, so like two Thursdays ago. Um, but then we didn't really hear anything for a little while. Um, they got a few of the American missionaries out. But then on Sunday night, the Ghana borders closed, actually. And I was still there. And one of the guys I was living with made it out. But we thought <laughs> we, we were afraid we would just kind of be stuck there. Um, but then they told us that the U.S. Embassy was actually chartering a flight for us because they really wanted us to get back on time. So yeah, it was, what day was it? It was Tuesday. They had us drive to Accra, the capital of Ghana, where the airport is. And we stayed the night in the MTC, which was, which was pretty strange. And then, yeah, the next morning we were up first thing Wednesday morning and we flew to DC. Um, by the time we got to DC, it was late at night. So we spent the night there and then I was in Dallas the next morning. So a lot of hours, though. Yeah, and a lot of sleep missed. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sister Elmer, coming all the way from Malaysia? Yeah, so for me, it was all really rapid. We didn't expect to go home. Malaysia was pretty safe for a long time, and we were out in the jungle. So we thought we'd be fine, and it just happened really rapidly. We got a text um, 
on a Friday saying that the U.S. had asked everyone living abroad to return home. And uh, after that, it just happened so fast. We thought we'd have probably two or three weeks left in the country. But but that Monday, we by the end of, end of Saturday, I had a ticket booked. And, and Monday morning in Malaysia, I flew out. So that would be Sunday night, Texas time. So I flew out Monday morning, and we flew from the little tiny jungle city I was in to the capital of of Malaysia and then up to Tokyo and then over from Tokyo to Dallas, direct flight from Tokyo to Dallas. Um, and I think it was just really, really interesting. And I'm sure everyone else who flew home too kind of had the same feeling of just, it was so unexpected and so fast and just, I don't, I don't know how to describe how, how it felt flying home with, with everyone else who just finished like the best, the best time of their life. And and knowing that as soon as you got off that plane, you'd be around people who just who just didn't understand what you'd just been through over the past however many days since you found out you'd be going home. And I don't know, the flight itself was really long and 40 hours is a long time to think about a lot of things. But yeah, it was a long flight. <laughs> well, and under the circumstances, it's understandable. It's just difficult emotionally. It was really, really strange just because it happened so fast. Like one one second you're planning on being home in five months, and the next one you're planning on being home the next day. You know. And what was that journey like for you, Parker? So for us, we we it was kind of weird because all of us I was living in a house of four people, so it was me, my comp, and another it was another group, another group of elders. Uh, so it was four of us in the house, and we all kind of were just feeling like had this strange feeling that we we're going to go home, you know, just because of the virus. And we're like, no one kind of really wanted to accept it, but we all just kind of knew it was really weird. And But on Sunday, on Sunday night, we we're expecting like, all right, I think it's really possible this week that we're going to go home just because of all the uh, notices that uh, the U.S. was sending out and stuff. And it was around 1030 and our mission president calls us and he says, so... Uh, you guys got to pack your bags right now because here in a few hours, a van's going to come by and pick you guys up. And tomorrow night, you guys are going to get on a plane and be headed home. And so everyone just kind of like looked at each other like, is this really happening? And well, it was three Americans in our house and the other guy was from Argentina. So And he's still there, I believe. I'm not totally sure what happened to him, but he wasn't able to go home. It was just the Americans. And we just kind of looked at each other and was like, is, like, is, he, is he being serious? And uh, then that's exactly what happened. We had like three hours to pack our bags, three, four hours to pack our bags. We left the house just a mess, just trying to get everything. And a van passed by, picked us up. And then we were in Sao Paulo, picked us up around like 2.30. And then around six o'clock, we were in the capital of Sao Paulo, in the big city. And there we were just waiting to do all the process to get our bags. And that night we were on a plane. It all happened so quick. And in, in your case, that was the end of your mission. Yeah, for me, that that was the end. Because we had the, when they sent out that notice, that uh, it said that missionaries that have less than 180 day, 80 days left on their mission will be, uh, will be, will finish their mission. And I was in that 100, I think I had 160 something. And Fairly. so I was in that, I was in that uh, 180 days. So I was just kind of sitting, I was like, man, so that means that means I'm done. I was like, that's really weird. 
like it didn't really pro it's i don't think it really has processed quite yet actually but sure it was just i mean because i was planning on going home in august and then all of a sudden i'm going home on monday into the sunday night so it's just really weird and no one, i don't think anybody's processing it you know well it's got to be disappointing it's not what you were expecting and you didn't get to kind of say your goodbyes or, or kind of go through emotionally that process of uh, getting ready to go. How yeah, does that it, feel it, for you at this time? It was, it was difficult, you know, just cause at the end of our missions, we all have an interview with our mission president and we all get to bear our testimonies one more time. And I didn't get that, you know, and not just me, but you know, 70 other, 70 other missionaries in my mission. And it was it was real weird because you kind of look forward to that. And, but not just that, but also there's five other months, which are the best, like the last month of the mission are the best months, you know? And so we were looking forward to looking forward into that, looking forward to what we're going to do. You finally got all the, how to teach, right. You're finally, uh, know how to contact people, you know, what ways work best. Uh, you have your scriptures, just knowing like the back of your hand. And it just all kind of like, ended you know and i felt i i still do i feel kind of sad about it but at the same time i kind of sat there and i was like well i can look at the good things or i can focus on the bad things if i focus on the sad things i'll just stay sad but if i focus on the happy things i'll at least be i'll at least be happy which i know is what the lord wants is we just kind of on our mission learn how to trust in the lord so that's kind of what happened you know uh i just looked at the better things that are happening because of this, I'll be able to be here to work, help my dad out this summer, help my family out this summer, and stuff like that. You know, just kind of the Lord's plan. I'm sure you'll see lots of blessings as a result, things you may not have anticipated. Uh huh. And it's not like I I don't feel like I left anything uh, in Brazil that I could have done better. You know, I feel like I did my part, and what the Lord needed me there for is exactly what I did. I mentioned earlier that Sister Elmer and Elder Egan are both quarantined in their homes for 14 days. Well, Parker, you are as well. But in the case of Sister Elmer and Elder Egan, they expect to be temporarily reassigned to missions in the United States and perhaps hope to eventually return to their missions that they were originally assigned to. Uh, but now that you're, you're home and you're in this quarantine situation, what can you do to still feel like a missionary and to magnify your calling? You're called to bring souls to Christ, but you're not quite in the same circumstances or ability to do that. Sister Elmer, any thoughts there from you? Well, it's interesting that you ask because in some ways I feel like I've been trying to do this since the end of February. <laughs> the same type of thing. Sure. Um, I think the biggest thing I learned in my time in quarantine in Malaysia is that um, Preach My Gospel says that your success as a missionary is defined by your commitment to teach repentance and baptize converts. And I know while I was in quarantine, my commitment didn't change. It didn't change a bit. That was still the focus of my mission. And as much as I could, I was doing things to do that. And so even as we're home, um, I know for me, that's that's still my purpose as a missionary is to invite others to come unto Christ. And uh, one thing my mission president said a couple of days before we got the news we were going home, he said, this quarantine is part of your mission. Don't think that it's not. Don't think that just because you've been inside for almost a transfer, 
don't think this is a break or a vacation. This is just as much a part of your mission as any of the time you are serving outside. Um, and with that, I think this is this is the same. Even though we're home waiting for reassignment or home home, um, God has a plan for this. And as long as our commitment is the same to to do his will no matter what, then then he'll provide a way and he'll show us what he needs us to do during this time. So I guess one way that I've just really tried to to stay and remember that I'm still a missionary is just um, to keep things as normal as I can, to still do my studies, to still try to... I served in Singapore for so long that there are people there that I can still teach. So I try to keep in contact with them. And then other than that, I just really try to trust in the Lord because there's not much else you can do when, when it feels like everything is in so much commotion right now. And I know that God does have a purpose for this and that if we trust, then it'll be revealed. That's great perspective. Thank you. What about you, Elder Egan? Yeah, it's it's definitely been strange. Um, not only being in quarantine, but being in quarantine at home with my family and stuff. It's, you know, for Julia, she's she's a pro at this by now, but it's still new to me, only being I'm on my third day of this. So I'm still trying to figure a lot of it out. Um, but I'm just trying to, to stay as focused as I can and just remember my calling and try to stay true to that, uh, to get up in the mornings and to study even more than the than the hour we would normally do each day, but to get in some extra study. Um, and then still just to reach out to the people we are teaching, both in Liberia and Ghana, because most of those people, they, they have Facebook, and so we can still stay in touch with them somehow. Something that I learned when I went to Ghana, when we left Liberia, was that even when the missionaries aren't there, the members, as long as you are working with them and taking them to teach your people, they'll still be teaching them and they'll still baptize them. In in the month that we weren't in Liberia, they baptized, I think, I think it was 122 people still in the country. Without missionaries there. Without missionaries there. And some of them were the people that me and my companion had been teaching. Um, so just trying to do my part, even, even on this end to, to keep teaching them, uh, and just try to stay focused. Cause like you said, my mission's not over. I'm about to, to go get reassigned to my third place now and, and the work's the same. So yeah, it's not a break, <laughs> not a break. Yeah. Thank you. I thought it would be interesting to hear from each of you, how your testimony has changed through this experience. This has been a bit of a trial. It's had some unexpected elements to it for sure. So I'd like to hear from each of you on that. Uh, let's start with Parker. Throughout this experience, um, what increased is just how, first of all, the prophet received revelation. Just because um, whenever he came out with vain, vain segment, I'm thinking in Portuguese. Whenever they, whenever they came out with uh, Come Follow Me, the Come Follow Me program, um, he, he saw this coming a long, long time ago, you know and all these things that are happening with us. And just the fact that he knows exactly what to give us at what time just shows how, how tuned in he is with God and how, know, how he really knows what is best for us, but also how God is watching over us. And how this, this is also part of God's plan for all this to happen. You know, he doesn't let anything just happen by accident. Uh, uh, but he allowed this to happen because it was part of his plan. In the last days, there will be diseases and troubles, earthquakes, and 
this was, this is all part of his plan. And so it definitely increased my testimony about a prophet that we have uh, today in these in this day. But as well as how we really need to be prepared for everything, you know. Um, a lot of people you can see are just really freaking out about this, you know. And I mean, my mom said that it was almost scary going into the supermarket just because seeing how people react to, to uh, uh, these things happening. They're crying, they're screaming. They're, I mean, it seems like it's just the end of the world to them. But to us, it's just something that we we're prepared and we should be preparing for. It should have been preparing for. And that that is just part of our religion to be prepared and to that we know that it's not this life that is important, but it's the next life. Great point. What about you, Sister Elmer? How has your testimony changed? I think the biggest thing for me has just been uh, just to see to see the hand of God throughout this entire experience. One of my New Year's resolution was to to write down every day how I could see the, how I had seen the hand of God in my life. Uh, and it was funny because it was around New Year's that we started to feel a lot of these these problems, especially in my mission. As I really tried to do that in my life, as I've gone through and, and just tried to record that and remember it, um, it's, it's undeniable that God's hand is in this. I don't know how, and I don't know why we have to see God's hand this way, but when you look for it, it's undeniable that it's there. Uh, it was always God's plan for me to only be in Singapore and Malaysia for nine months. This wasn't a mistake. This wasn't a backup plan. Once I hit my nine months there, God moved me because that's what he needed and that's what he planned on the entire time. And it was the same for Jacob in Africa and the same for Parker in Brazil. Uh, This isn't a mistake. This isn't a horrific tragedy or accident. This is the plan of God and it's moving forward just the same as it would because nothing, nothing can stop the work of God. Uh, And that's brought me a lot closer to my Savior throughout this entire time. It's been heartbreaking to come home. I don't want to be here. I, I want to be in the jungle. I want to be in Malaysia. I want to be where I expected that I would be now. But that being said, I've felt nothing but peace from, from my Father in Heaven since this started. And, and as sad as it can be looking at it from what I wanted, when I look at it from what God wanted, all I feel is peace and joy. And that's really been something that I've been grateful for over these past couple of months. Thank you. Elder Egan. The part of my testimony that's probably been strengthened the most from all of this is just the fact, similar to how both of them said, that the Heavenly Father, He really knows and loves each of us uh, in a really personal way and how all of this was mapped out before we even came. And also how God, He never, he never seems to let us get too comfortable in life. Looking back on my whole mission, the amount of, in just eight months, the amount of companions I served with, and then I think I served in six or seven areas just in that time, two different missions, two different countries. Uh, God, he just never lets us get comfortable. And so my whole mission, I've just been asking myself, why? Like, as soon as I start to get comfortable with one thing, another thing's thrown at me. And what I've just kind of learned time and time again, and this has kind of been the, the biggest blow in some ways, uh, is, is just that there's something for us to learn uh, with every stage of our life, that we can truly never get too comfortable with how things are. That when we get when we get complacent, then we're not growing. And God, that's 
that's not what he wants from us. He wants each of us to always be growing and always becoming more like the Savior. Um, so, yeah, a lot like Julia said, through all this, though, though it hasn't been easy, though it hasn't been my plan necessarily, it's always been God's plan. And just that knowledge ha has brought me peace. And, and even the future still looking looking forward is pretty uncertain. <laughs> I don't know where I'm about to be. I don't know where I'll be in three weeks teaching the gospel. Um, so there's still some some uncertainties about that. But I can feel peace as long as I uh, remember the Savior. Thank you. Wonderful perspectives, wonderful testimonies from each of you. Uh, thank you. Thanks to each of you for participating in our podcast. And I wish you the very best in this difficult time. It's inspiring to hear the faith of you young missionaries and to know that the Lord continues to guide his church. That's all for this time. For Lone Star Latter-day Saint Voices, I'm Eric Egan.